So for our first industry update this morning, we're going to be doing a, kind of a deep dive actually on Apple and its racial equity investments. So this is some varied reporting out of The Verge. And uh, for a lot of my stats later, I, I pulled some pieces from Investopedia, Statista, uh, ITEP, CNBC. Uh, we'll link to everything in the main article. But basically, after a summer of racial unrest and renewed calls for structural equity, sparking uh, potentially the largest nationwide protest movement we've seen in U.S. history, the business community felt a lot of pressure to respond and show a commitment to, at the very least, uh, a renewed focus on diversity and equity. So, here is how Apple responded. Back in June of 2020, as the protests were hitting critical mass, Apple made a $100 million pledge toward racial equity. And CEO Tim Cook described it at the time as uh, meant to, quote, challenge the systemic barriers to opportunity and dignity that exists for communities of color and particularly for the black community, end quote. So Apple recently announced some updates to where those $100 million are going. Later in 2021, Apple is set to launch its Apple Developer Academy based in Detroit, which focuses on giving opportunities to, quote, young black entrepreneurs, creators, and coders. And it's going to provide programs to help them build relevant skills for tech jobs. It's also going to focus specifically on training for iOS app development and is going to offer both 30-day programs as an introduction to how to be a developer, as well as larger 10- to 12-month intensive programs to develop those tech workforce skills. Apple also plans to launch the Propel Center, which is an HBCU-centered tech hub in Atlanta and will intersect with uh, various HBCUs in the area, including Clark Atlanta University, Spelman College, Morehouse College, and Morehouse's School of Medicine. And their $100 million is also being split to some venture capital organizations like $10 million for Harlem Capital as well as $25 million for a Clear Vision Impact Fund. And we actually have some uh, thoughts here from Jared Tingle. He's a managing partner at Harlem Capital. Uh, he was interviewed on CNBC to discuss the $10 million that uh, their VC firm got from Apple, the kind of general state of diversity in the entrepreneur landscape, and how the VC firm plans to make use of the $10 million. So here is the quick quote, and then we'll get to our takes. If you look at the universe of investing opportunities for you, do you have to dig or do you have more than you could possibly ever, ever fund? We have more than we need for sure. We started early stage because we knew the opportunities were there. We had been in diverse programs. We have a diverse network. And so before Harlem Capital was an entity formally, we were angel investing and we had met so many great black Latino women entrepreneurs who we knew could help us be successful. So that was not a problem for us. We definitely had to prove that to the market a little bit. Uh, one thing we did was we actually found 200 Black Latinx founders, the large report at the time, that had raised over a million dollars. But we never questioned the pipeline. It was more just finding the data points to support it because the industry and the market research providers have been so reluctant to provide lenses on race and gender. Uh, but there's no issue for us. I mean, we do roughly 10 investments per year. And we see way more deals than we could even imagine. We saw 1,600 deals in 2020, 800 deals in 2019. So we feel very good about the pipeline and we're continuing to be more, more selective. 
All right, so we've got uh, Kevin Hogan on the line. Kevin uh, is the host of Market Scales Remote Possibilities, usually joins us to give some thoughts on expansions uh, to ed tech and uh, you know various education stories. But he wanted to come on to give some thoughts on this. Kevin, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Daniel. How are you? Doing well, doing well. So yeah, give us your quick take on this. Uh, you know, obviously, ed tech has had a major boon in capital investment over the last several months because of COVID. So it's something you've been paying attention to for a bit. With all this in mind, uh, any quick takes on Apple's general $100 million racial equity investment, whether that is the Developer Academy or uh, the money going to Harlem Capital? Yeah, it's the uh, it's the Academy side of things that really kind of piqued my interest, Daniel. Uh, we reported about this over on the, on the EdTech Industry channel. Um, and specifically, the ideas of helping to develop young black entrepreneurs and creators and coders. Uh, that is more than just lip service to saying, you know, we're going to try to be more diverse and creating a more diverse workforce or, or however you're going to have it. I mean, that's just, that's getting right into the kind of meat of what not only Google, uh, but Microsoft have also indicated this year in terms of creating certification programs and getting more technically focused instead of maybe just hiring everybody out of Stanford, <laughs> giving people opportunities in different environments to also participate uh, and work for companies like Apple. Uh, and the, uh, this, the second thing was the Propel Center. I mean, that, that tech hub uh, for students and specifically African-American students who are going to be in higher ed, and there's still a place for higher ed, of course, but th that's just another place where Apple is systematically influencing as opposed to just, you know, make, giving out press releases. Yeah, and on that note, I'll go ahead and start breaking down my takes. And Tyler, we've got you on the line as well. Uh, I've got several different angles that I think are important to round out this story. And uh, feel free to give your thoughts on each one. So uh, since Kevin started us off with the Developer Academy, let's start there. Um, yeah, I am also always excited to see movements that... Um, you know, are, are headed up by uh, companies with a lot of market power and a lot of influence over the uh, workforce at large, and seeing them, you know, push for general uh, expansion of diversity within the workforce and providing skills that last longer than just here's a job, right? Uh, teach a man to fish, that parable. Uh, however, I, I do want to intersect this with the idea of what does Apple get from creating a developer academy, which I think is important because um, major corporations at this point uh, aren't just acting out of a uh, you know big heart moral imperative. There usually is a bottom line reason for some of these major moves. Um, and the organization said it's going to prioritize iOS development skills which I imagine would funnel people into Apple's infrastructure, which is good for Apple. Uh, you know, and it can be argued that it doesn't really matter if Apple gets something back from its investment because the people that it enables to get into tech jobs now have a better paying job or a more fruitful career compared to an alternative. But I think it is interesting to see that a good chunk of the investment goes into developing an Apple uh, job or at least Apple skill incubator. And I do hope that this leads to more direct hires from Apple to expand its workforce to be more diverse. There's been lots of commentary on big tech diversity over the last several years. And really, for the most part, 
all big tech companies are lacking, Apple included. Uh, right now, only about 9% of their total workforce is black, um, and only 6% of their technical workforce is black. Only 3% of their leaders are black. And that 6% of uh, tech workers has plateaued from 2013 to 2017. And actually, since 2017, Apple hasn't published any diversity data, so we don't know if things are better, worse, or the same. So I hope that this academy means a commitment to grow those numbers, especially the technical workers, uh, which doesn't seem to be a space where more black employees are making their way into Apple. Tyler, any thoughts there? I guess this this kind of reminds me of something that we talk about on a pretty regular basis, uh, but it's it's that there is value, even if it is not able to be quantified at this particular moment, there is value in having goodwill built up by trying to do the right thing in circumstances that can often... Uh, it, to me, it's not karma, right? Like uh, the the fact that that the airline industry is doing poorly and very few regular citizens seem to care about that seems to suggest that... that the airline industry had done nothing to sow goodwill with people over the last several years, instead trying to cram more people onto smaller spaces in flights, right? So we, we've we've had that conversation. But if if you have a company like Apple trying to do the right thing, um, maybe at expense to themselves, uh, maybe if we can't find a way that it directly benefits their bottom line at, at this particular moment, maybe there isn't one, but I think that there is value in trying to do the right thing because Eventually, if you are Apple, there will be a situation that you get yourself into where you do need to have some goodwill built up so that the assumption isn't immediately that you are nefarious, right? Right, exactly. And I think that, you know, there's room for gray area too. A lot of times, you know, it's easy to black or white say, this is an amazing move by Apple or this is all, you know, BS and they're doing this just to save face. Sometimes it's a little bit of both. Sometimes it lands somewhere in the middle and perhaps, uh, you know, it is from coming from a place of goodwill. Um, and, you know, I think if it is, and we can only really postulate at this point, we can't really know, but we can guess, um, you know, you would hope that down the line that there is some auditing to their uh, attempts at growth or change and that, you know, if they commit themselves to something that there is a follow up to, okay, did you reach those goals that you committed to? Yes or no? If not, why not? And what does that reveal about what you had initially pledged or committed to? Um, but yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying there. Um, let's uh, bring it back over to uh, Harlem Capital. Uh, that quote from Jared was engaging, and I'm, I'm curious as to what sort of businesses Harlem Capital will continue to invest in. Just some context on them. They currently hold about 26 investments across 13 cities in the U.S., and the companies that they've invested in, uh, they do so because they have diverse leadership teams. So 43% of them are exclusively women-led, and 47% of them are led by black or Latino CEOs, which uh, you know is definitely a way more diverse coalition than what you see from most portfolios in um, a VC firm's catalog, right? Uh, but I, I do think, you know, we should be asking ourselves how much of an impact just one VC firm can have um, and its subsequent investments on historically oppressed or repressed communities 
because even though the portfolio is varied and you know, looking at how Jared uh, speaks to the mission of Harlem Capital and what the founders express, it's definitely coming from a place of, you know, we want the business world to look more diverse. So I'm not necessarily questioning their motives, but at the same time, sometimes, um, you know, uh, really positive motives can sometimes not necessarily be misguided, but just not really address broader issues, right? And I think the questions we should be asking ourselves are, how much do we expect any business to address any number of broader structural issues? Alas, we'll get into that in a second. But I want to just highlight that even though um, Harlem's uh, portfolio is varied, they support things like consumer products, uh, organically sourced menstrual products, for example, uh, organic beauty products for black women. Many of its businesses, uh, actually the majority of its businesses, are also in uh, white collar industries. So things like high tech, fintech, um, gig work management, analytics companies, etc. And these industries, uh, you know, not to anyone's surprise, have an education barrier for entry, right? When that education barrier is priced out or inaccessible to whole classes of the United States, I think we can connect the dots to see how these kinds of investments end up really only supporting a small fraction of uh, people of color and it don't r totally open the gates to, well, you know, we are supporting entrepreneurs and therefore this money is going to be funneled back into the communities most harmed by whatever legacies of injustice, right? Uh those dots don't always connect because at the end of the day, who really gets the opportunity to be invested in and why? And for the companies that do get investment, who then gets jobs at those companies? And you know, does that really open the door to new uh, classes or demographics of people to have access to that capital? So that doesn't mean that this can't be positive for the people who get the investment nor that we shouldn't have a focus on diversifying who gets access to capital in a capitalist society, right? But at the end of the day, um, you know, VC for fintech entrepreneurs is only one small slice of uh, working black Americans um, and isn't necessarily a structural solution to improving material conditions for generations of people of color. Right. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying Harlem Capital said that's their goal, but, uh, you know, I think it's important to look at the broader picture there as well. Any thoughts there? Uh, no, I don't think there's, there's anything I can add on to, to what you said there. I thought that that was, uh, I, I thought that what you laid out was really, really, um, spot on. Okay. Well, cool. Good to know. All right. Uh, more to unpack here, Tyler. This is definitely going to be a long industry update, but there's a lot of intersections here that I want to highlight. So I also want to think about the scope of what a hundred million dollars is for Apple. Uh, and Tyler, I know you and I have offhand conversations about this a lot. Uh, we actually had one the other day, walking back from the convenience store, you were like, yeah, I'm sure most people overestimate how much money they uh, they think that they would need to do some obscene tasks. So like bungee jumping off of the Empire State Building, how much would you take to do that? Oh, you know, I'll take $10 million to do that. And then you argued, oh, yeah, well, if someone walked up to you and handed you $500,000 and said do that. I, maybe more people than not would would take the risk, right? Yes. Um, and and I, you know, as much as that's not really related to what we're talking about, I do think it's representative of how much large sums of money can often feel just intangible and really hard to uh, to like materially qualify. Like, what does it mean to have a hundred million dollars? Right. That's a great point. 
Now, when we look at Apple, though, at a surface level, 100 million sounds like a transformative amount of money. But barring the fact that 100 million is already being split into multiple endeavors, 100 million dollars is a fraction of Apple's cash on hand. So here's some numbers for you to put it in perspective. According to Statista, in 2020, Apple reported to have made nearly $275 billion in global net profits. Uh, $100 million is 0.04% of that number. If we look at just Apple's cash on hand, which according to Investopedia, last time I did some research on this, lands at around $95 billion of short-term liquid cash as well as short-term investments. $100 million is only 0.1% of that 95 billion cash on hand. So, yeah, those numbers are, you know, in context, minuscule, potentially uh, inconsequential. So they might not feel inconsequential to the people receiving the money, but when you look at the bigger picture, I think we need to be asking ourselves, what should we be demanding of businesses, whether, you know, we are workers, business leaders, uh, you know, demanding things of our own company, of our colleagues, of our industry. What can they be doing to structurally address these issues? Uh, because if we don't think that it's businesses' personal responsibility to just give more charitable donations, that we should just be grateful that Apple gives anything, uh, then what? Should we also be expecting them to lobby for fair distribution of resources at a federal level instead, instead of saying, well, you know, don't demand that they give more money. Maybe we should just build out a system where, um, you know, the people that need money are funneled that money through a broader governmental, uh, you know, bureaucracy or structure, right? But we also need to identify that as one of the most valuable public companies, Apple puts, you know, X amount of money every year into charitable causes. But in 2016, for example, according to research by the uh, ITEP, which is the Institute of Taxation and Economic Policy, they dodged paying about $252 uh, billion in offshore profits. They didn't have to pay taxes on said profits. And that would have been about $78.5 billion in U.S. taxes for any number of services. Yeah, it's it's huge. Uh, so in that sense, $100 million is a, a, a blip. It's nothing, right? Though that money being put to good use is good and i would prefer that that 100 million goes to uh you know supporting uh racial equity when companies say they're committing to racial equity if they're committing 0.04% of their profits to racial equity how much commitment is there right and what should we be critiquing and analyzing about that Obviously, taxes, that's all dependent on a government that shares these interests and like that money being put through funnels that are of good use. But again, I think we need to stay critical of what investments in racial equity look like and how committed they are to the language that they use, because I, I just find it really important for businesses to stay grounded with what racial equity really means at a broad level and, you know, not get, um, for lack of a better word, just kind of deluded into thinking that you know, one act of charitable donation is really going to impact anything at a broader structural level, even if at a surface level, yes, it's positive for some people. Is it really a broad commitment to racial equity? Uh, and I think it needs to show in the numbers and it needs to not ignore these structural barriers and be honest about the level of impact that it really has. Uh, that way we can all just have a better idea of what the stakes are and what we need to do you know, communally to really support people of color. So any thoughts there on, on those numbers? I know I threw a lot of numbers your way, Tyler, but those stats definitely blew my mind when I was throwing out the uh, calculator. 
Yeah, I'm. <laughs> it, it it is a lot to wade through, and I'm struggling to kind of find the right way to put into words how I feel about it. I, I guess when it comes down to how I view generosity, I think I th- I think in order for something to be truly generous, it comes at an expense to you, um, and, and one that is that is maybe more acutely felt than uh, than just giving out of the excess of whatever you have. Not that that's a again, not that. Uh, you, it's it's that rocket. No, I agree, man. It's look, it's hard. Yeah, you don't want to say that what they're doing is is not good. It's it's a. It, I, I think it's a good thing, and you don't want to say it's not enough because it, it there's a lot there. But then at the same time, when you kind of put it in the context that you put it, then you're kind of stuck in this spot where you say, yeah, but it it could have been more. So how committed are you? That that sort of thing. And I think what it comes down to is that like like most issues there's always going to be money thrown at an issue but what it really comes down to are the attitudes and hearts of people which is harder to change than just by throwing money around and that sort of thing and so you know that i, I suppose after blabbing about uh, uh, you know blabbing for a while but not saying a lot that's more where i land than anything else is that is that as much as i wish that money alone could could solve these problems uh, it's it's gonna take more than that, and it's gonna take more than just lip service as well. There have to be actual actions backing up, you know, financial donations and uh, and the words that we say. Right, and I think it's also important that we differentiate between you know personal, interpersonal generosity, and you know any sort of responsibility that a company might hold to be mm-hmm. generous, because you know you Tyler donating X money to a cause is different than. Apple, you know, one of the largest and most powerful organizations on earth donating X amount of money, right? And I I think we need to keep those sort of power dynamics in play and, uh, you know, consider those in our thoughts and how we feel about things like charitable donations from major companies. So bottom line, I would love to see more businesses commit, you know, $100 million to racial equity. That is not an insubstantial amount of money. Um, But I think we also need to be critical of what that really means in the grand scheme of things and what we should be demanding of the business community as business professionals, as business leaders, as workers, et cetera, et cetera. 